Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Dr. Tanisha Wards of the Infinity Wellness Center here in Austin, Texas. They specialize in functional nutrition, herbal medicine, and today we're going to be talking about nutrigenomics, genetic testing, and how it can be a tool to help you take control of your health once and for all. Dr. Wards, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me back. So in a previous podcast, you had mentioned um, a certain genetic test that you use in your office um, that can help determine whether or not the body can methylate or detoxify certain things. Um, And I thought it was so fascinating that I wanted to do an entire discussion um, on this genetic testing. Uh, So I guess to begin, can you explain what nutrigenomics is? Yeah. So genetics is a huge field, and we're just really learning about it. So nutrigenomics is nutrition and genetics and how your nutrition can affect your gene, your Mm. makeup and your genes and how your genes can tell us what nutritionally you need help with. Mm -hmm. So it's very different than what we call the gloom and doom genes of you have Alzheimer's gene or you have the BRCA gene, which, you know, makes you more susceptible to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. We, we're we not looking at those doom and gloom genes. <laughs> we're looking more at what can we tweak in your diet and your lifestyle? What nutrient are you not making mm-hmm. that we can then add in or take something out okay. to where nutritionally we can change how your body's functioning? Interesting. So kind of gaining that uh, insight into, um, I guess, how the genetics of your body or genetic code is making you more susceptible to certain food allergies or more or less predisposed to certain conditions? Yes. Yep. Um, Certain ailments and symptoms and things can absolutely be genetic. I I love this test, and, and we're now offering it for people all over the country that can get the test, get the report. You don't have to be in Austin. It's one of those tests that I wish... Every patient walked in the door with, and and I I just kind of see the blueprint of them, mm-hmm. and so I know so much more about why your labs look a certain way because you have this gene and this SNP and this problem here, mm-hmm. so I know more how to fix it. So how to fix it? We can do a couple different things. We're looking at at sequences of of protein reactions with the genes. And if we find out that a SNP is here, we can sometimes just add the nutrition in so then your body can complete the whole sequence. Mm. Or sometimes if that's not an option, if that's not where your SNP is, we just have to give the end product. Okay. And then it can go into the next pathway. Um, One of the big ones we look at, and it's become a big buzzword, is the MTHFR gene, which has to do with the methylation pathway. Mm. And so sometimes we can correct it here. Oftentimes we just have to give either methyl tetrahydrofolate, which is um, the methylated form of folic acid, okay, or methyl B12, which is methylcobalamin, which is the methylated B12. So if you're taking food, B12 and folic acid, it then has to be converted into these methyl forms. 
And, and those methyl forms are responsible for 250 other chemical reactions in the body, wow. including making energy and sending things down the detox pathway. So methylating is so important in really feeling good, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Everything that comes into the body, the body has to decide, and this is part of the methylation pathway, is it going to keep right. and send it down the methylation pathway and make energy or send it down this other pathway and detox it? So what I tell patients sometimes is, an example is if you ate broccoli and a cupcake, <laughs> the body says, okay, the broccoli has folic acid. Let's methylate it to make methyl tetrahydrofolate, which is MTHFR abbreviated. And that's going to then go into the methylation pathways. But the cupcake has refined sugar, red dye 40 if it's a pink cupcake, right? <laughs> and it has gluten, mm-hmm. things that we can't really make energy out of. Let's detox it. Right. So that's, that's one thing we're looking at with methylation. And what we found is a lot of doctors are running this. Um, A lot of fertility doctors are running this. Mm. They're running um, the MTHFR because folic acid in the methyl tetrahydrofolate form, the MTHFR form, say that five times fast, (laughs) is the first nutrient needed to form the baby's brain. Wow. So without it you may not hold pregnancies. So we see a lot of fertility doctors running this for people who have history of miscarriages or mm. not conceiving at all. And we've had a couple patients that were having a hard time getting pregnant and we ran their genetics and put them on a little methylfolate and they were able to conceive and hold a full healthy pregnancy. So wow. that's pretty amazing, yeah. Um, but that, so that's become a big buzzword in the fertility world. It's also the MTHFR gene has really become known in autism and sensory disorder patients. Mm. We're finding that they're not detoxing things properly. Um, So that's also being run in a lot of mainstream medicine, which is really cool. But the problem is they're only running the two MTHFR genes, and there's 12 in the whole pathway. So Mm. somebody may have a defect earlier in the pathway, and there's a gene called MTRR and there's one called TCN that they're not even looking at. They're just looking at the last two in the sequence, mm. which doesn't give us a full picture. Right. So, so what we're seeing is these patients sometimes are getting cleared. They're saying, oh, you didn't have the MTHFR gene. You must be a fine methylator. That's not your problem. Mm. And then we're doing a more extensive test and we're finding that they, they do have that problem. And in the sensory disorder and autism, we're finding that it's not always, you know, and this is a real controversial topic that I'm about to go into, but we believe now that we know more about genetics, it's not really the toxins and the mercury and the aluminum in the, in the vaccines that could be causing the autism. It's how your body can detox it mm. or else all the kids would be having reactions to it, right? It's, right. it's this child's genetic makeup couldn't get rid of the mercury or the aluminum and this one could mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so what we're finding and why they're, why that test is being run is they're finding if they're a poor methylator and we get them methylating, they can get rid of some of those toxins and, right. and function higher. So is that a test that you would maybe recommend to parents before they do the vaccinations for Absolute. their children just to kind of gain that insight? Absolutely. There's some very specific gene SNPs that, um, your body overreacts to inflammation too, Mm. which again, that toxic load at such a small age or young age can really matter. And so they call them the on and the off switches. They turn inflammation on, which we're supposed to do, right? When we're attacked with something, whether it's 
an infection, a microbe, a bug, you know, a toxin, a heavy metal. And then there's off switches. When Once we've worked that out and detoxed it, we need to turn it off. So, so those are, are huge as well as the methylation mm. um, genes. And I did run my daughters very young and we did not vaccinate based on multiple things, but mostly her genetics. Interesting. That I believe she would be a poor detoxer and poor methylator for toxin toxins. So we're not, we're just not doing it. Right. Um, can you maybe, I guess, give some other examples of problems? You talked about fertility, um, autism, other maybe symptoms or issues that might uh, tell tell somebody that maybe this is something they should look into. I've I've found the person that I think absolutely could benefit from knowing their their nutrition and their nutrigenomic profile is somebody who's always sick, mm. is or has had chronic illnesses, yeah. um, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, um, you know, just aches and pains everywhere, and just not ha- having not found a resolution. Mm. And maybe they've worked on their adrenals, maybe they've worked on their gut, and they're just still not well. Oftentimes it could be so deep in the genetics that that we really need to get them methylating in a different way or handling inflammation differently than what even functional medicine traditionally does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that definitely, f- chronic fatigue. Um, there's one gene specifically that has to do with how well you handle histamine, mm. whether it's histamine in food or histamine in the air. And I've had a lot of patients who... Have have had had things as as severe as they swell up, certain foods, their throat closes, mm. to they're covered almost completely in hives. Um, I had one patient that had like huge pustule bumps from histamine foods. Well, she didn't know it was histamine foods, so we ran some of the genetics and we found out okay, you don't handle histamine well. So there's a couple options you can avoid these list of foods, and we've made a smaller list that's clinically what we found to be the most reactive. Mm-hmm. If you start Googling high histamine foods, you can find a really long list. <laughs> so we found these seem to be the most reactive. And spinach is on them, on mm. there, and strawberries and avocados. And these are healthy things, right? Right. Those I patient, think I ate all of those things earlier today. <laughs> yeah. And, and most people are, are fine with them. This patient particularly was doing a green smoothie every morning, had spinach, oftentimes have av- had avocado and strawberries. And I think she just kind of hit a threshold and she yeah. was breaking out in hives and was in hives and bumps all the time. And nobody could figure it out. You know, mm. of course, she went through the traditional steroid, but it'd come right back, the st- steroid method. We were trying more natural antihistamine, liver cleanses. Finally, we, we ran her genetics and sure enough, she has a snip to where she doesn't break down histamine. And what, so what we found, she can have a little bit of spinach if she avoids other histamine foods. Mm. Or if the molds are high here in Austin, which often they are, right? <laughs> right? That, <laughs> that produces a histamine reaction. She really needs to stay off certain foods mm-hmm. because she'll break out in hives. We also have added some things like quercetin into her supplement regimen. And there's another product called GI Hiss that helps break down the histamines, a digestive okay. enzyme. Um, so we can take some some antihistamine for airborne stuff and, and then digestion and that helps her. But that was a really severe case. She'd actually ended up in the hospital a couple of times because she was so wow. swollen. I have another patient that gets hives, not as bad or as often. And she's, she's funny. She cracks me up a little bit. She'll say, I can have the beer, but not the pizza because <laughs> cheese is high histamine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, but you know, I can't have both. And I'm like, okay, I don't want you having 
either. <laughs> but if you have to, you know, yeah, if you have to play you know, this one and not that one. So they just kind of have tweaked their diet mm-hmm. from genetics. So that's another one. Just mystery rashes and hives have have we found that it can be a genetic predisposition. Interesting, and especially considering that a lot of those reactions are to healthy foods. So right. it sounds like that. You know, one patient you were talking about, she's drinking a green smoothie every morning. <laughs> I'm sure she's doing all kinds of other, you know, very healthy things. So then to still have this kind of like mysterious health yeah. condition was... when you feel like you're trying your best and you're eating healthy, and you know, it's such a frustrating situation to be in when you feel like you're doing all the things and then you still haven't really resolve the problem. It was a huge so. revol- revolution for her and a revelation. And that's exactly it. The people sometimes that have done all the right things, mm. it could be genetic. And the other thing is it, it tells us sometimes supplements that we need and sometimes that we don't need. Mm. You know, how many people have stood in the vitamin aisle like everything looks good. I need this. I need this. Or do I need that? That's you know, me. <laughs> <clears throat> take everything. So there's one gene that tells us... Um, it's called the FUT2 gene. Does your body build up probiotics very well mm. or not? So if you have a SNP, which is a single polymorphism, which is a defect or, you know, it, it, you, you inherited from mom or dad, a problem with that gene, um, you, don't, you don't build up probiotics. So you really can't, can't build up your gut lining long term. Mm. You need to be on probiotics all the time. Right. Versus if you don't have the SNP and you're having some good, you're eating good fermented foods, you probably don't need to take a probiotic every day. You just don't need to. Your body can build it up if you're eating well. So that can save you (laughs) some supplements, right? So that's a huge one. Another one we have, um, we look at a lot is it's called VDR TAC and it has to do with you, you need the vitamin K to absorb the vitamin D. You need Mm. both in a supplement. So you may, and I've seen this in practice, the vitamin D levels just wouldn't change. We are giving patients 10,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. This is, you know, five or six years ago before I knew this information. And they weren't changing. But mm. we add a little bit of K in it, and it goes right up because they had that gene defect. Wow. And then they can absorb it better. And, and maybe to back up and talk about the gene defect and what that looks like is, you know, we get 23 chromosomes from mom, 23 from dad. You know, that makes you <laughs> together, and then they start multiplying, you have thousands and thousands. So when we look at 55 specific genes, that's our biggest panel. We do have um, focus panels where we can look at just your 12 methylation genes. We can look at just your GI health, which has to do with the probiotics. We have a women's panel now, and I can talk a little bit about, about that and why that's important. Um, so when we're looking at that, we're looking to see if you have a homozygous, which means a defect from both sides, mom and dad, Mm. which means that gene is just not working, or a heterozygous, meaning one parent had it. We'd never know who without running the parent's genetics, or or no defects, no SNPs, Mm -hmm. which is what we want. We don't want any SNPs in the genetics, but we're seeing more and more in these panels than we ever have before. Right. Um, out of curiosity, where is the factor of, um, I guess, epigenetics or how our lifestyle affects our genes? <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we we also know just because you have the gene defect doesn't mean that it's always expressing. And that's where epigenetics comes into, how you eat, sleep, live your life, manage your stress. Um, you can have a lot of gene defects. I've looked at some patients' genetics and I'm like, wow, you really should be on the floor. 
and they're and they're not right. because they're eating well, they're taking care of themselves. Where I have some patients that maybe just have a couple genetic defects, and they're really really sick. They're really tired. They're not sleeping. They're having a lot of issues, mm. and it could be because of. Um, we call them triggering events, major traumas that have happened in their lives, deaths, um, financial issues, major illnesses, divorce, you know, breakups. Who, who knows what it was that could have triggered it? It could right. have turned that gene on or caused it to express. And I also believe you can cause them to start working better again, too. You can, you can suppress that a little bit. So a lot of that has to do with lifestyle. Interesting. Absolutely. I, th- I think... I'm also a chiropractor. I think chiropractic alone is epigenetics because we're realigning the nervous system and we're mm-hmm. allowing the body to work better. So we're allowing the genes to express better. I think doing things like acupuncture affects your genes. Like there's a meditation, absolutely. Now, we haven't actually seen the genes change yet on paper, mm-hmm. right? Like if we see a defect, we haven't seen somebody's defect go away. So mm-hmm. kind of your eyes are blue. They're not going to be brown kind of thing. But maybe in my lifetime we'll see that. Yeah. Like the, the, the defect is still there. It's just not expressing, and that's more of epigenetics. Interesting. So then when you run the genetic test, do you see which genes are turned on and which ones are turned off? Or you just see, like, the blueprint, so to exactly. speak? Exactly. Yep. We just see where the defects are. Okay. And then it's, it's my job to kind of go through, well, what's going on with the symptoms and the history and where do we need to start and what do we need to do to make the genes work for us, our genes, because we're really only given one hand of cards. Right. <laughs> like what we're, what we're dealt was, what we're born with is what we're dealt. So how can we make them work for us? Right. Yeah. Out of curiosity, could you estimate, um, I guess, how common some of these genetic defects are? Like, yeah. Is this something that's really prevalent or just a couple of unique cases will present? It's thought that over 70% of people have significant genetic defects in the methylation pathway. Wow. And I have some thoughts of how we've gotten there. I absolutely think that um, toxins that we're living with are changing from generation to generation, how how our genes are expressing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people believe traumas can be stored in our genetics and that can turn things on. People who are in the Holocaust, they believe that has changed their genetic makeup and that can cause absolutely some genetic defects. So how we've gotten there, I think, you know, 100 years ago, we wouldn't see as many. Of course, we couldn't test it then, right? But I think we wouldn't see as many genetic defects as we are now with the world we're living in. Right. And interestingly, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when we'll be able to compare, like, where people were at now, where people are at then, that will also be largely informing in that area because the exposure to toxins and all of this is like only going to get more and more so. Um, so it'll be interesting right. to see over the next few decades, like how those, you know, or, or maybe they get better podcasts like this. People are becoming more aware, <laughs> right. And they're doing the right things for their genetics maybe. Right. And they stop, right. they stop, they stop defecting or snipping possibly. Right. Maybe <laughs> that would be the optimal thing. More awareness. Um, another big section that we look at in our genetic test is brain chemistry. So, you know, you can run, in our office, we'll run a neurochemistry test and we can see where serotonin is and dopamine and GABA and these things are falling if people have high or low Mm -hmm. um, dopamine or serotonin or GABA. And that tells us one thing, that tells us what's out of balance. But with genetics, we can find out if they have some of these genes um, that 
your body doesn't break down or make serotonin or dopamine correctly. Mm. There's one gene in, in particular called the COMPT, C-O-M-T, where its job is to break down, to, to degrade serotonin and dopamine. And if you have that defect, then you're not breaking down dopamine as fast as you're making it. Mm. And too high of dopamine can cause anger, irritability, aggression. Um, these people can really be mad all the time because yeah. their dopamine's building up and it's not coming down properly. Another mm. one is a um, is called the GAD gene, and that converts glutamic acid into GABA. And GABA is super calming. GABA makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it calms us. So these people are anxi- are full of anxiety mm-hmm. because they're not making that conversion. So knowing those things, even if the person maybe isn't expressing anxiety or mood issues now, just knowing maybe if they go through something stressful, right. that gene can get triggered or turned on and we may need to help balance that. Interesting. Uh, I think in a previous podcast, you had talked about a patient that came in. Um, it was a child who wasn't speaking. Yes. And then that ended up being a genetic thing? It, it was. It, um, the child was almost two and, and not speaking yet. And mm. we weren't sure what was going on. He didn't seem to have any other um, lagging in development. Mm. So we didn't, we, we really couldn't figure out what was going on. And we found out that he had a methylation defect. So we started giving him a little methylfolate, a little methyl B, and he started speaking within a week. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, and we just think that part of the brain just wasn't getting all the nutrients it needed in the methylation pathway. Interesting. That was that was one of the coolest yeah. stories. Yeah. Oh gosh, and for any parent to, you know, yeah. be able to give that gift to their child, so to speak. Um, do you think that there's also? Um, I know a second ago you had mentioned. Uh, meditation as mm-hmm. one of those like epigenetic factors that affects our genetics. Can you elucidate on that? You know, I, I think that if somebody has these genes to where their brain chemistry is out of balance, absolutely meditating and slowing the system down and allowing it to work properly can absolutely help. Mm. It can It can definitely help, especially if you're going through a stressful time and those genes are more likely to express or turn on or have problems, if you can slow down the system, Mm. I think that absolutely can change the expression of the genes and epigenetics. Interesting. And then in the previous podcast, we were just um, speaking about the pituitary gland and the correlation between meditation, uh, kind of creating that uh, environment for the pituitary gland to function the way it needs to. And basically that it's, yes. uh, I think you called it the master gland. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of the control center, so to speak, for our hormones and all these different functions of the body. So maybe that's also a component as well. Absolutely. Of the benefits of meditation. Yeah. If you're calming the pituitary with meditation, then the adrenals aren't as stressed. So they're not causing more genes, you know, to, to turn on as well. So that, that all is correlated. Absolutely. Interesting. And then you'd mentioned um, a panel for female health. Do you want to oh, yeah. go into that? Yeah. So there's so there's a panel that we look at that can tell us if um, you should be taking estrogen or not. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that birth control is synthetic estrogen. Mm-hmm. And it can cause all kinds of problems, including if you can't detox that properly, it can be a precursor for breast cancer. The, you know, there's the kind that is the BRCA gene, right? Then there's a the kind that's more environmental, which is synthetic estrogen. Mm-hmm. So there's a gene in that panel that can tell us, do you need to avoid 
plastics because they're estrogenic, mm-hmm. soy, you know, hormones and meats, and the birth control pill, or you know, any bioidentical or I'm sorry, any um, synthetic hormones of estrogen. Right. That's a huge one. It also can tell us if you're going to have um, more predis- a predisposition to PCOS, which is you know, huge and becomes such an issue with mm-hmm. fertility now. Yeah. Um, also, if you may have a hard time conceiving, if you're, so all of this can definitely be a lot of genetic issues as well as that has a couple methylation genes as well. So forming the baby's brain and, and everything matters too. Right. So a lot of women have just had hard periods and just really tough time with hormones and emotions. And a lot of it could be their genetics. And I hear that a lot in practice. Mm. Well, my mom had hard periods. My aunt went through menopause early, you know, those types of things. And we can kind of look and see, and there's a lot we can do. We can definitely do diet and lifestyle changes. We can add things that the body's not making properly into Mm -hmm. your system through nutrition. So these pathways can be completed as if you didn't have the gene snip. We can just kind of figure out where to put it. And, and that's what we we can do to help it. The, the bigger, excuse me, the bigger panel that we offer, let me start over. The bigger panel that we look at has five different sections that we look at in it. It has methylation, which is a really important section for detoxification and making energy. And then we have the mitochondrial section. So we can actually see how well the ATP in the mitochondria of your cell works. So we can definitely support that for your body to make more ATP. Then we look at detoxification. So in the methylation process, if it sends it down the detox pathway, we can then see how well of a detoxer you are after you've methylated it. Um, We look at inflammation, and that's a big one with vaccines. Can your body handle Mm. toxic loads? How well does it handle inflammation? How well does it handle um, reactions to infections? That's all part of, of inflammation. And then we look at the brain chemistry. Wow that I mentioned with how well your body makes and breaks down brain chemicals. So that's a big picture to look at people. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, it would be great if everybody walked in with this and right. just like, here's my problem areas. This is probably <laughs> why I have chronic fatigue. Like it takes so much guesswork out of what to do next with the patient. Right. With having their genetics, I can know what supplement, when to give it, how to give it to make their body work and function properly. Mm-hmm. And then... Just out of curiosity, how expensive are the genetic tests compared to other labs that people might be getting? So it used to be thousands, literally just, you know, famous people like Angelina Jolie, (laughs) who had her breast taken off because she had the breast cancer gene, could afford it. So it's come down a lot in the last, I don't know, three to five years for sure. It's Mm -hmm. 705. So it's not you know, astronomical, but it's, it's more than a simple lo- a blood panel. Right. Good news is you only have to run it once. Right. Just like your <laughs> hair and your eye color, right? They're not going to change on paper mm-hmm. yet. Maybe someday right. we can figure out how to actually change them. But right now, yep, you just have to run it once. So I have okay. patients who have come in specifically with the fertility issues that we've run their genetics. We found out some things that were happening that in their genes that maybe they weren't conceiving because of the methylation issues. Mm -hmm. And then just this week, we, it's just a cheek swab test too. So it's just a cheek swab. You don't have to give blood, which is awesome. We swabbed her three week old baby, the girl who had a lot of methylation issues. So we, she just was like, I want to know, let's get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. I know, I know what my genes look like. We actually did not run her husband's, but she said, I know what my genes look like. I want to just see what this kiddo looks like before we do anything crazy. Yeah. 
like vaccinate her. (laughs) Very interesting. Um, A couple of years ago, there was all of this talk around that there's like um, certain genes that will dispose people, dispose people to being overweight. Mm -hmm. And it was publicized as the fat gene and like, do you have the fat gene? Is that true? Is that realistic? Can you talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. Yep. Actually, the lab we use is coming out with a panel, a wellness or no, I'm sorry, a fitness panel that does exactly that. Do you have a hard time breaking down? Fat, good fat, bad fat, all of it. Do mm-hmm. you are you better off doing cardio? Are you better off doing weight? Mm. You know, all of that can. Yep, that absolutely is true. And the lab that we use it doesn't have those genes are out there. The lab we use, they're coming out with them real soon. One thing I do want to touch on is a lab we use is local here to Austin, and it's it keeps your information secure. Mm. There's there's labs out there on the internet that are not keeping your information secure. Oh. So that's good to know. And some, some people that matters, some people it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'll just say it. The one, the 23andMe that's out there, which we can absolutely analyze that lab test and, and do what we're doing with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was run before September of 2017, there's a whole thing. They changed their algorithm and their chip so they don't actually give as much information as I'm looking for, the same genes. But mm-hmm. if you have it prior to, we can analyze it. But we, it's been said that they're not keeping our information secure. Mm. So they're selling it for data. And then you start getting these calls about, like, do you have high blood pressure? Do you have this thing? Like, um, I know just even for myself, I might, mm-hmm. like, enter something in, like, searching for something on the Internet. And then all of a sudden, I'm, like, getting phone calls or whatever. Yeah. And I'm, like, how did they know that I was searching for that? There's definitely, like, this weird, you know, just relationship between, you know, information that should be personal and right. private to us. And then, right. yeah, all of these people who see that as, like, dollar signs in the eyes, you know. Like, oh, okay, now we can sell this person this thing and that thing. And and I don't um, know for sure, but that's what's been said. But I do know for sure... And I don't want to get this wrong. The CEO of 23andMe, somebody, one of the founding partners of 23andMe, their husband worked was a CFO or CEO for Google or something. So there is a relationship there. Oh, wow. And that's, I mean, that you can Google that. Not that you, <laughs> <laughs> you can Google that on Google about Google. So so there, people are a lot Maybe of... Maybe search Yahoo for information on yeah, Google. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people are very um, skeptical about getting their genetics run because that came out in the media yeah. about that lab. And so, yeah, just, just to clear that up, our lab is really careful about your information mm-hmm. and it is not selling it or giving it out. Wow. Which, yeah, matters mm-hmm. for sure to not be stalked by yeah. <laughs> calls and things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially, you know, when there's this relationship between the advertisers yeah. and the people who are like so-called just giving you information. Yeah. There's definitely those little behind the scenes yeah. <laughs> relationships. Yeah, who knows? Um, what <laughs> are some so. other common, um, I guess, issues that you've been able to find through the genetic testing? I know we talked about the um, methylation panel, female health panel. I don't remember if we got hit on all of them yet. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychytruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. 
Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peeks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h. Um, there's one gene that in our larger 55 panel that is, um, it's called HLA-DQA1, and then there's HLA-DQA2, and that tells us if you make glutarase that breaks down gluten. Mm. So, and also with that, you would be more predisposed to celiac disease. Right. So again, is it, if you have the gene, should you never eat gluten? I mean, I would say that's correct. But some people have found, well, no, if I eat it in moderation and I don't hit this threshold, I may never develop celiacs, which is very serious, you know, intolerance to gluten where it's mm -hmm. so much so where cross-contamination can cause huge GI distress and there's a huge issue with not absorbing foods and nutrients from it. Right. Um, but we also know, so that patient may want to take an enzyme of glutarase every time they eat gluten if they mm -hmm. have that gene. So that's mm -hmm. another huge one to know. Um, the mitochondrial panel that I kind of talked about, how well you make ATP, I found that to be huge in people who have chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's not their thyroid. Maybe that's not low vitamin D or low iron. Maybe it's truly that the ATP of their cell has some genetic defects to where it doesn't make energy as, as it normally should. Right. So we can give things, we can give nutrients and amino acids and other things. One thing that we use is um, PQQ and... Um, CoQ10 and other things to feed the cell to make, to help it make more ATP. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, you know, that component that people, um, even for the people who don't necessarily consider themselves fatigued or yeah. whatever, like just in general, if you can help support your mitochondria and help, you know, that's every single function in your body. Absolutely. Like your energy levels and how much energy you feel is like just one little tiny picture of like how well your, you know, your ATP is functioning or whatever. So that yeah. seems like a very important one. Um, do you have, uh, I know you had mentioned earlier that it's estimated 70% um, of people that have problems with methylation. Uh, can you, do you have, I don't know, I guess estimates or <laughs> ballparks of how common some of these other genetic issues are? You know, I, I don't. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> just clinically and, and, you know, it's hard to say. I don't know that we've been doing it long enough. Mm. I think methylation, those two genes, the MTHFR genes, have been around long enough to really get some info on who's been tested. And I think my practice is probably a bad example in the realm of I'm seeing really sick people. Yeah. So if we're running the genetic test, there's most of the people have been through the line of doctors, yeah. right? Like a lot of times by the time they get to us, they've been to anywhere between six or 10 doctors mm -hmm. oftentimes. So I'm finding a lot of genetic defects. <laughs> so I don't right. know that that could be said for the general population. Right. We have had, and these patients are always fun and refreshing and easy to work with, right? We have some, pa we've had some patients that just come in and they're like, you know, I'm an athlete. I want performance enhancement. Mm -hmm. I want to see where I can just be better. Yeah. And so I do, I have noticed in some of these so-called healthy patients, right? They're not coming in with a, a, bunch of symptoms or diagnoses that have been slapped on them that I have seen less genetic defects, mm. if that helps at all. Yeah. Um, in, in the methylation panel itself, though, we can, there's an algorithm. Each of the 12 different genes we look at have, has a different 
job or role in the methylation pathway, and they're given a percentage. And so I can, after running the genetics, I can look at somebody and say, okay, instead of methylating at 100%, you're methylating at 75 or 90. And I, and I don't see those too often. <laughs> Mostly we see much lower numbers like right. 30%. Anything under 50% of methylation, we've typically seen they've had a fibromyalgia diagnosis. They've had a chronic fatigue. They're, they've had different infections that mm -hmm. they've not ever been able to get rid of, like chronic mm -hmm. Epstein-Barr, or they do have Lyme disease. There's actually a gene, it's called the NOS2 gene, which is in the inflammatory section, that if you have a, a genetic defect in that gene, you, you have a lower chance. You're not able to fight bugs, microbes as well, infections. I actually have a, a homozygous defect myself in that gene, and my history is having Lyme disease. Mm. So it's like, did I just get the lucky tick with the Lyme disease? Or are we all, are multiple people that have been exposed to ticks getting bit by Lyme disease and just genetically and nutritionally, maybe they are in a stronger place? Yeah. Or genetically, they could just detox that bug. They could just get rid of it, and it didn't cause an issue. It didn't set up shop or <laughs> hang around in their body. Right. Who knows? Like, that's all what we're kind of learning. But I have found most of my Epstein-Barr patients that have dealt with it for years and are having a hard time getting over it have this gene, either methylation and or this NOS2 gene where they just don't detox microbes very well. Right. So that's really good to know. There's a lot of things we can do with that, you know. Instead of just staying in your house and not being around any germs, <laughs> we can definitely make sure they're on tons of antioxidants and immune boosting support constantly all year round, mm -hmm. especially, you know, flu season really work on, on their immune systems. Right. So it definitely sounds like uh, what we've called medical mysteries in previous yes. podcasts. Those people with the conditions that they get juggled around to a lot of doctors and they maybe receive a lot of diagnoses and treatments and it doesn't seem to work, that would be a good indicator that that nutrigenomics testing could be very eye-opening for those types of patients. Absolutely. It may uncover some things that just why you're not healing because mm -hmm. genetically you've just got some defects and predispositions to things. One thing, you know, you asked earlier what what we see methylation cause or, or how we can maybe think, okay, I may have, may have an issue with my methylation gene. A couple things that is a big red flag for me when patients come in and they say, smells bother me. Mm -hmm. They can't walk down the, um, the cleaning department aisle in the grocery store. They can't walk past all the cleaning products or they can't walk past the perfume counter at Dillard's without ending up with a headache for a couple of days. Wow. That is a good clue that they may have methylation, methylation issues. Wow, that's kind of me. Uh-oh, <laughs> we may need to check it. Another one is um, they have issues with anesthesia. Mm. They, their body can't quite detox or clear it very well. And so they, it's, a, it's a real thing of having like a anesthesia fog for two or three weeks after. Okay. And they just can't quite come out of it all the way. They feel hazy and cloudy. And that, that is an indication of a poor methylator. So these little okay. clues, when, when I, I ask some of these things in our intake, when they have a lot of other things going on that kind of help me hone in, okay, we should maybe run this test on you. Mm-hmm. And those are definitely good indicators. Um, even my dad is very much that way. He hates the perfume aisle, hates all those things, hates, doesn't even like 
you know, he's kind of getting into essential oils a little bit now. But and they don't the seem most, to have problems with essential oils, yeah, these people. Yeah, for the most part, he's just like, oh, I hate smells. I don't want anything with a yeah. fragrance. Um, so so thanks, Dad. Maybe, if you have it, you probably got it. Maybe me and my dad need to come get this <laughs> <laughs> And And that's what I tell patients a lot of times, right? If they have a lot of different defects, we're like, well, we can always thank our parents. Yeah. <laughs> it came from one of them, if not both. Right. And I just think it's interesting that, you know, it's kind of funny when you watch like all the sci-fi movies and everything you just think like oh wow so cool but like we are kind of like living in a sci-fi movie now you know compared to you know even just 10 years ago much less 100 years ago like just having the ability to do this test just having the ability to look at our genes and see something like that I mean really is totally sci-fi it is amazing it is amazing we're calling it precision medicine because it is so Mm. Precise. It takes the guessing out of it. But yeah, to be able to read your DNA and say, okay, you can't build up probiotics. You're constantly going to have some gut issues. You need to be on a probiotic every day for the rest of your life. That's Mm -hmm. huge. That can change your immune system. That can change your mood. Since we now know so many neurotransmitters are made in the stomach, that can absolutely prevent all kinds of illnesses from just knowing that one thing Mm -hmm. versus somebody maybe who doesn't like I said, need to take that every day, then, you know, you, that person also could be wasting money on probiotics every day. Right. So, yeah, it's huge to, it is, it is totally like just pulling back the curtain and looking inside. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any recommendations you would give? So if there's people that are listening, uh, but maybe they're not in Austin, <laughs> that they'd yeah. be able to come uh, to see you at Infinity Wellness Center, um, what resources they might go to to get this testing? Yeah, we we actually have a lot of patients that have been in the office and said, oh, my aunt in Iowa wants to get this test done because she has a lot of the same problems I do. So we actually Mm. are able to do it just virtually now. You can go to our website at austinholisticdoctor.com and you can purchase the test and you can do one of two things. You can purchase it and just get a report back from us of this is what we found, this is what it looks like. Um, and it's a really, it's a good printout test and it's really easy to read and it has all the references, the medical references of why this gene does that and how we know it does that. Or you can do, um, a phone call. You can do a phone call with us or a Skype or, mm. you know, and go over the test with you. Wow. And then there's a sequence too with, with depending on what your genetics say, right? Just because somebody has the methylation gene, we don't always start methylating them. Because that sometimes can cause a lot of detoxing at one time. Or Mm. we say it's kind of like putting fuel in a gas tank. It can definitely rev the engines and things can start happening. So depending on what the genes say, sometimes we have to start with lowering your inflammation, waking up your energy sources, the ATP, and then we detox. So all of that would be in in the test. And, yeah, it's a simple kit. We mail it out. You can swab your cheek, send it to the lab, and then we get the results. Interesting. Yeah, and I just think... You know, um, that kind of example of somebody who's maybe not methylating, it's almost like you have this, like, clogged up, you know, system. You can, like, kind of get the visual of when the trash is overflowing yes. and the air filter is is just, like, creating this huge, like, the lint filter in the dryer or whatever. Absolutely. And at some point you pull it out and it's like, oh, my goodness, to just kind of let that floodgate open and all of those toxins suddenly come out, like that would be a very um, unpleasant experience. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes we have to go really, really slow. And it's almost the worse the genetics work, the slower we have to go at at methylating and getting Mm -hmm. them working. Yeah. Because you're exactly right. Toxins have built up 
you know, if you've been on the earth for more than three decades, there's a lot of toxins that could have built up. So yeah, the, the, the worse it is, the slower we go. And that is all kind of said in how to do it and what to do. Mm-hmm. Do you have, um, I guess, other examples of panels that you've run or other interesting stories of patients whose medical mystery was maybe revealed through the nutrigenomics? Yeah, we, one I haven't spoke about is the brain chemistry panel. I talked a little bit about the, the some of the brain chemical um, genes we can look at. There's, there's another one called the MAOA and the MAOB, and these are called the warrior genes. And these patient, these, these patients that have a SNP here, interestingly enough, this is fascinating, they believe it dates back to, I don't want to get this wrong, the Romans won the Roman and Greek War. Yeah. So they think it comes from Roman descent. And these patients are usually, um, if they have a, a defect here, they're usually high achievers or addicts. They, they're, they're needing more of the dopamine. They're constantly looking for the next dopamine hit. Which um, we can get through. People can get through, you know, drugs or alcohol or over exercising. Like these people are just really driven mm. people and really intense. So they can definitely be. They can. They can have a, a lot of anxiety. They can definitely use addictions or be workaholics. And so that's been really eye opening. Sometimes just getting that and figuring out, okay, we need to calm some things down in the brain chemistry because you have this mm. gene has been really helpful. And a lot of these people have been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and it's and it's not. Their brain chemistry is just in overdrive. Interesting. It's really interesting. So thinking about you know like athletes that just go really crazy or what you refer to sometimes as like adrenaline junkies. Yes. Is that kind of that's the exactly situation? It. Like it's actually something in their genes that's making them so, especially when you get in like the adrenaline thing and people are doing like more and more dangerous, life-threatening things Absolutely. to get that buzz. They're looking for the next high. That's exactly it. And that can totally be a genetic predisposition. Interesting. In their brain chemistry. Yep. That they're trying to push more dopamine that makes us feel good. Right. That's our fall in love hormone or brain chemical. And yeah, we get it from chocolate, PEA, which is a precursor to it. And magnesium is a precursor to it. Um, so they say the PEA and chocolate, there's a very thin line between falling in love and eating chocolate because <laughs> it <laughs> both can push dopamine. Uh-huh. But yeah, these people have a hard time. They don't make it as well mm-hmm. versus other gene snips. They may not break it down so you can have you know, different spectrums of that. Right. And then taking the other side of that, addiction, yeah, alcoholism, things like this that just are so destructive in people's lives, their families, that actually maybe the, you know, one-step program instead of the 12-step program, yeah. find out if you have that genetic, um, you know, issue, and then that can be hopefully, I guess, resolved. Is that something y'all can resolve or at least yeah, support? Yeah, support. Absolutely. There, you know, again, how many people have said alcoholism runs in my family for decades, right? Like people have yeah. talked about, you know, addictions and alcoholism for for generations mm-hmm. that it's run in their family. And it absolutely could be brain chemical versus just poor willpower or whatever, right? right. It definitely could be chemical. Yeah. And, and they're, they're trying to balance their brain in that, and that's part of it. And absolutely, we can do a whole lot of amino acid support with it. A lot of the precursors to the hormones we can, or the brain chemistry, and we can calm them down. Absolutely, we can help with that. Wow. That really, honestly, is just like so um, 
eye-opening for me because, you know, like, I, I like to have a drink, but I don't have this feeling that I have to drink. And, right. And I always can, like, mind over matter myself that I'm like, well, I'm going to not drink because I, you know, want to, like, take care of my health or whatever. Yeah. Um, to where there's certain people for whom it's not, it's not a decision. It's like right. we were talking about earlier when, like, you have a yeast overgrowth and it's making you crave sugar and it's not something that you yeah. can – you know, change that you can mind over matter. Right. Um, it's bigger than you. Yeah, yeah. Bigger than you. So that component that, you know, I was actually talking about that with somebody recently, like, oh, it's just like interesting. What's the difference in those people that you can have people that drink, people that love to drink, people that drink all the time. And it's not the same as like an alcoholic that it can literally destroy their lives. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this kind of genetic component kind of answers that question. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really good information just to know, right? Maybe you don't have the signs or the symptoms or the behaviors that this gene is expressing, but it's just good to know that you have that, okay, if something stressful happens and I go off the deep end or I'm having these major issues, this could be why, and we can easily bring things back in and balance them, mm -hmm. just knowing that. Right. So beside nutrigenomics, what other kind of genetic testing is out there? So another genetic test that we offer is called pharmacogenetics, and we are, you know, holistic, natural practitioners. We don't, we don't prescribe pharmaceuticals. But if you want to get this test, this test is extremely inexpensive. I think it's 175. Don't quote me on that. And I truly believe everybody should have this. It's a test where you can find out what medications your body will metabolize and won't. So oh, wow. let's say your doctor wants to put you on a certain pain medication. You can, after getting this test, there's a forum you can go to or a website or you can even get an app and you would type in your your sequence, your name, and it, you could type in a medication. I mean, it does come with a pretty detailed report, but mm -hmm. to, to look at all the medications, you could type it in and you could say, hey, I'm not going to metabolize this medication very well. It's not going to work for me. Wow. So this is where patients get put on pain meds and it doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? They're still in pain. They metabolize them too quickly. Or people have taken certain types of anesthesia, right? And then they metabolize it too slowly and they don't wake up very well or right. they don't get numb at the dentist, right? Or even a brain chemical, uh, you know, SSRI or, you know, anti-anxiety. You can look at that and say, type it in and say, hey, this doesn't work for me. My body won't metabolize it, but it will do this. So it truly is precision medicine. And other countries, New Zealand and Australia that have socialized medicine, they require the pa the, their people, the patients, to get this test wow. because they don't want to pay for pharmaceuticals and medications that aren't going to work. This is this guessing game. Oh, that didn't work. You're still depressed. Try this. Oh, mm. that didn't work. That made you suicidal. Try this. You know, there's no there's no guessing. You can easily with this test look at this and say it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Let's do something that my body chemistry will work with. Wow. So this pharmacogenetic test, I truly believe everybody should have done. If they're on medications, if your you know family members are on medications, to know if these medications work with your body, you should you should just know this information. Yeah, and I just think about how many people out there are taking usually not just one pharmaceutical medication. Right. There's usually quite a few. So this insight that you could actually gain to see how your body would react or is reacting to Absolutely. those medications is 
Um, especially in those cases where they're going to have a negative reaction to it or, I mean, I guess best case scenario is you're just wasting your money on something that doesn't work. Right. Hopefully it's not actually making your problem worse or creating right. other problems on top. Right, which it can. Yeah, huge information to have. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, here in the U.S., I think this is like the first time I'm hearing about this, other than I think we might have mentioned it in that first podcast we did. Um, but this is something totally new. And then you look at these other countries. Not only is it known about, but it's required for people right. to take it. You just see this kind of vast, um, you know. Let's not guess. Yeah. Let's not guess on what medication your body's going to metabolize or work with and not, right? Like, let's find out. Right. This is huge. And it's and it's not that expensive of a test, really, to have. Mm -hmm. I think everybody should absolutely have it. Right. I mean, especially when you compare that to how much money people are spending on the right. pharmaceutical drugs themselves. Right. A test that's going to help tell you which medications to take and which ones maybe you don't need or whatever, um, let's say is clearly worth it because you're probably already spending that much on the medications in the first place. Absolutely. I think one day... The um, insurance companies are going to catch on to this and require people to have it. I hope, anyway, I hope yeah. that happens in my lifetime. <laughs> right. So do you have any closing thoughts here on this topic of genetics or recommendation for people to know whether or not this is a test they should get, et cetera? You know, my, my thought is in a perfect world, everybody will be able to look at their genetics and know so much. Um, but I think it's crucial right now for people who really are those medical mysteries and have tried all the right things, they're eating the right foods, they're following the right protocols, they've tried Eastern, Western, traditional, functional medicine, and they're just not getting well, mm. that it could be an underlying genetic issue. Right. And again, you have to look at the whole pathway of genetics. You can't just look at one or two of the genes. You have to know if everything's working correctly and where to start. And with these tests, we know now what to do with the patient. We know how to give the right supplement at the right time in the right order. It really is precision medicine. It really is changing the way we look at patients. And it takes a guesswork out of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is data-driven on you have this SNP. This is your symptom. This is how we can fix it. This is what we can do to support it. And it's powerful. It's very yeah. powerful. I think a lot of... The reason why people are so sick and, and some people are more affected by toxins and more affected by microbes and mold, there's even genes that you can be more specific or more um, affected by mold in the air, mm. comes down to your genetics. Why are you different mm -hmm. than your neighbor if you're living or your spouse or, you're, you know, you're living in the same environment with the same toxins and stresses? It's how your body handles that. And that mm -hmm. a lot of the time can be genetics. Right. And then going back to that kind of epigenetic piece that we touched on. Um, you had talked about, you know, meditation, um, chiropractic adjustments. Yeah. Because um, I really see the spine as like the, it's like the information superhighway kind totally. of. Totally. Um, it's like, here's the, the you know, uh, path through which your brain communicates with literally the entire rest of your body. Absolutely. Um, People think the heart is the most important organ. I, I really think it's the nervous system because without the nervous system, the heart wouldn't beat, right? right. So that absolutely, I think, is the most important. Yeah. Are there any other little, um, I guess, tips or healthy habits that you would recommend to people um, that they can do to just uh, feel like they're supporting their genes in a healthy way? You know, it, it's hard without seeing the genes because this is so precise. I mean, definitely low inflammatory foods, things like that. Um, a lot of people are doing 
multivitamins and B vitamins with cyanocobalamin in it. And it's, and, and I would just probably say an overall broad thing, if you think you might have a methylation issue, to switch to a methylcobalamin, which, okay. and, and the difference is it doesn't have to go through this conversion. It doesn't have to go to one more, um, it doesn't have to convert to the proper form to be utilized. So if you don't have that genetic defect and you're converting fine, the cyanocobalamin, which is synthetic, you know, it, it, you'd have a harder time converting that. But if you don't have that SNP, then it, it may convert fine. But just to take the guesswork out of that, getting the test, of course, is, is right. the best. But to try to say, okay, I, I hear a lot. I've taken a B vitamin and I don't feel anything. I've even gotten B12 shots and I don't feel anything. And we, we, we go back and it's like, well... It's cyanocobalamin that if you're not methylating properly, you're not doing anything with that. You yeah. may It may even be inflaming you. Mm. It may even be a problem. So going to a methylcobalamin or a methyl B12 just to take that extra step out of there so you can get the most benefit out of it, I think is pretty, is pretty good. Yeah. A pretty good kind of overall thing to do if you think you might have a methylation problem. Interesting. Um, thank you so much for being on the program yes. today and sharing all of this with us. Um, do you have a, I know you talked about um, that people can get the genetic testing through Infinity Wellness Center, yeah. even virtually, even if yes. they're not in Texas. Um, is that something that's already available? Yeah, um, we just launched that okay. recently. So, yep, on Austin Holistic Doctor, which is DR, um, under our wellness store, you can purchase a kit. Okay. Yeah, anybody can test it. I think everybody should be testing it. It's just such valuable information. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to having you again soon. Thank you so much. I want to thank all of you for listening to the podcast today. To learn more about Dr. Tanisha Wards, and if you are interested in getting this nutrigenomics testing, you can visit austinholisticdoctor.com. To see the full video version of this interview, along with hundreds of other health and wellness videos, head over to wellnessplus.tv to start your free trial. I want to thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll come back and join us again soon. The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.